Started from the bottom, now the whole team here Started from the bottom, now we here Started from the bottom, now my whole team here Started from the bottom, now we here Started from the bottom, now the whole team here Hey, I'm Andy Holmes, I'm the host of The Goat Guide A training ground for salespeople to go from good to great to goat Last name ever First name greatest, like a sprained ankle boy, ain't nothing to play with. Thanks for tuning in to the first episode of The Goat Guide. The reason for making this podcast in the first place is that we've seen time and time again, sales reps that have a lot of potential just don't reach that potential. And we've also seen that sometimes it only takes one or two minor tweaks to completely change the outcome for the better. Basically, we focus on asking the right questions so you can set the right goals, structure the goal properly, and actually accomplish your goal. And on top of that, we're going to talk about the mindset of a top performer. What separates a top performer from your typical rep? And my guess is that the reason you're listening to this podcast is because you want to get more out of the job than you currently are. It's only fitting that we have the GOAT himself in the studio with us, Chris Miles. He's been in the door-to-door space for nearly 10 years and is the director of sales for Aptive Solar. Chris, let's get the ball rolling with your first question. All right, Andy Holmes. So, you know, in my experience, one of the best things about Aptive is you are surrounded by greatness, right? Like you're you're on a championship team. And so kind of what I want to talk about is what are the things that you pulled from your environment to help you hit three golden doors? Yeah. So I think I heard this story about Brigham Lindsay. Okay. Brigham Lindsay, the pest control OG goat. He, he basically what he was talking to Aptive. It was at a kickoff event and the summer was about to start. And he said, Hey guys, like I've done really well, but I, I am a normal dude. Like I am a normal guy. So if I can do it, why can't you? And that kind of really opened my eyes because it was, hey, why can't I be extremely successful? Like, when you think about it, like, what's actually holding you back? Is there some force in the universe, like, regulating my success saying, whoa, 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 you can't be that successful? And I realized, no, there's not. I started asking myself, like, okay, if Brigham's normal and he's doing insane numbers, like, why not me? Okay. And I think we always kind of ask ourselves, like, am I good enough? Like, can I actually do this? And it's like the questions that we should be asking ourselves are more along the lines of growth questions versus more limitations, if that makes sense. Yeah. So anytime you're in a situation where you don't like the question being asked, you, you rephrase it. This is something you naturally do. I've seen you do this for over a year now where it's like, oh, that's the wrong question. Sounds like you recognize when when the question being asked doesn't have to do with inputs, that you have like a knack for, oh, those are the wrong, that's that's not going to get you from, from where you are now to where you want to be. Those are the wrong inputs. Yeah, I think, I think that it, it's less about focusing on, on the wrong inputs and it's more about just realizing like, what do you want to have happen and then reverse engineering it? It's not looking and saying, oh, those are the wrong inputs. Chances are our inputs are always going to be on the lazier side unless there's a reason for it to not be on the lazier side. David Goggins says, going to hell will be God presenting you to who you could have been 
and you see this, you know, incredibly successful person, it's like, oh, you could have had that had you just done things differently. Yeah. And so, so when I when I first moved back from playing basketball in Europe, uh, I interviewed with I don't know twenty different companies, and everywhere that I interviewed wanted me to work like 40, 50 hour weeks. And I wasn't against working 40, 50 hour weeks, but my wife basically lived at the hospital and I needed income, but I needed to make a lot of money in a small number of hours so that I could put time in at the hospital. That's just how my priorities were at the time. So I started a basketball academy. I'm like, no, no one else is going to pay me. And I hadn't done, I hadn't done door to door yet. Right. So I didn't, you know, you, you can go knock for a couple hours and make exceptional money in door to door, but I hadn't done it yet. And, um, so I ended up starting my own business. I started a basketball Academy, uh, four nights on, or excuse me, four hours on Tuesday night, four hours on Thursday night, I was making enough money to basically cover like all of my, all of my real time expenses, hospital bills, insurance. That's like, all of that was separate, but at least my kind of my normal bills, cost of living, food, all that kind of stuff. I was able to cover it in eight hours a week worth of work because I realized this is what I need. This is how much money I have to make. Like I, I, I was sitting on my couch. It was like 3 a.m., 3 o'clock in the morning. And I was sitting on my couch in Provo. My wife was sleeping and I was thinking about like, how am I going to provide? I just lost, all, I just lost my professional basketball career. Um, and I'm hoping at this point to be able to go back to Europe because I don't, I didn't know at the time my daughter's going to have five heart surgeries in the future. Right. Yeah. Um, but I'm like, okay, so I need, I need to be able to, to make like a six figure income, but only working like two nights a week, you know, something like that. So, um, I got a, a notepad and I start writing down, okay, what, how, this is how much money I needed to make. How, how much could I charge per kid if I'm doing this basketball academy? Like I picked a destination, I picked the end goal and then I worked backwards and I crumpled up. It was kind of like a movie where it's like, I write down this little business model and then I crumple it up. I'm like, that's not going to work. It just didn't feel right. You know? And like my third or fourth little piece of paper, I was like, dude, this is going to work. Now I just need to find a gym. And so I went and I, I started meeting with schools to see if I could rent somebody's gym. Sure enough. Um, that week I found a school that was willing to let me rent their gym. And a week later I own my, my own business and I'm running a basketball Academy and I'm making just under six figures. I'm working two nights a week, working two nights a week. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Setting the goal and then working your way backwards is, is super smart, right? Yeah. I think that reverse engineering it is exactly what's needed for people to hit their goals. Okay. It's figure out what your goal, what you want, figure out what you're actually trying to accomplish. And then if you're committed to that, now we just have to figure out like, how to get there. Like what needs to add up to make your goal a reality? It's how, that's how David Goggins beat the pull-up goal, right? He, he looked at the previous goal of like 8,000 pull-ups in a day or whatever, whatever the thing was. And then he's like, oh, I just got to do the math. Like how many pull-ups do I need to do per hour? And then how many pull-ups do I need to do per 15 minutes to get there? Like he literally just reverse engineered it and then set a world record. I think that that's what separates the the top reps from the average reps. I think average reps, I think that they have big lofty goals, but they just, they do what everyone else is doing, or maybe they'll do a little bit more, 
But then occasionally you'll get somebody who's just absolutely wild who who doesn't have the same playbook. Like, I mean, Kobe Bryant, for example, he knew what he wanted and he knew what he was hoping to achieve. And therefore he realized that, hey, I need to train this many hours a day. A lot of people would would make the argument that Kobe was going too hard. Kobe was just doing so much more than everybody else and therefore he got to be so much more than everybody else. You know, same thing with Michael Jordan. He, at the beginning of the fourth quarter, he would start running out of energy. So him and Tim Grover started reverse engineering his his diet and he had to start eating steaks before the game so that way they would be slower to digest. It, it's like, whatever you're trying to accomplish, now let's reverse engineer it, okay? What are the things that are gonna get in your way? Scrap those, okay? What are the things that are going to help Focus on those. And it's just, I mean, with your basketball gym, you knew you had to make this much money. You knew what your skill sets were. Like the other thing is like you acted on it. There wasn't a YouTube course on how to create your own six-figure basketball um, business overnight. You realized what you needed and then you reverse engineered it. Because you were so like focused on what you needed to hit, you weren't going to lower the goal just because it was difficult or seemed out of reach because a $100,000 basketball business overnight probably seemed out of reach as well. Yeah. I mean, I wasn't expecting it, right? But it was the situ- it was it was what I had to create for myself and it's what I had to create for my family and so I did it. And what's interesting is I realized, you know, I can add Monday night and Wednesday night and Friday night and I can add Saturday. I can I can add every day of the week, but I'm going to be capped on what I can make. And I sold so effectively my basketball academy, right? I, I sold, hey, come come train here, come try this, and basically filled my gym within a month. And I'm like, if I want to make more money, maybe I go into sales because sales is the thing that that is really making me my money. Basketball is my product, but sales is the trigger that like makes this whole thing possible, right? And I... I didn't have a single client when I started. Um, I got on my phone and started looking for, you know, the junior jazz registry and just started cold calling kids that had played a, a little bit of basketball. And before you know it, you know, I've got I've got a hundred kids that are training with me and and paying a monthly subscription fee to to come to come train with me. But yeah, I I realized that there was a limit on how much I could make in basketball as a, as a trainer. And I also realized that this is going to require my nights every single night. Cause I can't train while the kids are in school. And it worked for several years. Um, because my kids were young, so I'd stay home and, you know, get my time in with my kids during the day. But as soon as my kids started going to school, it's like, okay, now I really got to shift and, um, ended up moving to New York because my daughter's heart surgeon was, was close by. And so it all worked out. But yeah, that that's that was a big part of my transition to door to door was I'm not afraid of sales because I created a product and I had to do 100% of the sales, 100% of the retention. And I did I did excellent at this. So I believe in myself. And so it was easy to bet on myself going into door to door. Okay. So question for you, what separates good, average, maybe even slightly above average from the absolute top level? Um, I would say commitment is probably, is probably the biggest one. And I know you're big on this, right? You, you give all the, you give excellent examples of, you know, if I, if I was to offer you cash to go find a certain number of customers and let's say it's like $50,000, is there any way that you're not going to make it happen? And it's like, no, 
if the money's guaranteed, they're going to go make it happen, right? And so you have to have you have to have commitment without promise. Yeah, and let me for anyone who hasn't necessarily heard that story, I'll I'll say it in like a an exercise example, okay? If I ask you Chris, how fast do you think you could run a mile right now? Around 9 minutes probably. Okay. If I offered you $10,000, do you think that you could run it in 8 minutes and 40 seconds? For sure. Okay. Yeah, for sure. All right. If I offered you 50,000, could you run it in 820? Easily. Like we can keep playing this game all day and eventually there will be a point where you just can't do more. But you had what you thought you could do, but now that there's these big cash bonuses, all of a sudden you run faster. Even though that even though you're you were at a 9-minute mile, you're very confident that you could be better than that. And so what's interesting is nothing changes except for your commitment level to hitting it. And therefore, you change your your outcomes. Right. So average rep, amazing rep, top rep, difference is the top rep is more committed. More committed. And I would say a top rep is not afraid to fail. There is a glass ceiling and fear. Fear is like, fear is an inch from that glass. When you're about to hit the glass ceiling, that's when fear is kind of like at a, at a peak. I think that everybody's ego, you know, the average, the average person, their ego is afraid to fail. It's really painful if you put yourself out there and you say, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to hit golden door this year. And you don't, then it's just, everybody's like, dude, what happened? You know, that's embarrassing because you said you were going to do it and then you didn't do it. And it's really not that big of a deal. I don't think anybody's going to really judge a person for it. But the person who puts themselves out there and says they're going to do something and then doesn't make it happen, that's really embarrassing for that person specifically. I think what happens is reps, they don't want to set a big goal because they don't want to miss it. They don't want to set themselves up for failure. I think that people are scared of their potential. I think that they're scared of really, you know, going all in. Yeah. Humans are, humans are tribal. Leaving the pack is scary. It's it, for whatever reason, it feels safe to perform at the same level as other people. Right. Yeah. And you want to have friends, you want to be cool. You know, you want to fit in, you want to go to lunch. You don't want to be that, that weirdo over the top rep. Who's like, Hey, we're going to go to a gas station, you know, get a drink, use the bathroom. You want to come with Maybe you don't really need a drink. Maybe you don't really need to use the bathroom. Maybe there's a porta potty nearby, but but yeah, you like your car partner, right? And so so you go, right? Right. And and, and it's because w- what's most important to that rep is is that connection, is that fitting in, or or maybe it's not what's most important, but it's what's most Prior- natural. Prioritized. Okay. Or natural. It, it it's natural. They don't understand their priorities. They don't understand what their goals would unlock for them and give them what they really want. Um, and so therefore they don't go for it. Like I've talked with I've talked with reps who are just like, dude, I'm tired. I need a break. I want a break. And it's like, oh, do, do you want a break? Or do you want to not have to worry about money after the summer and not have to get a second job? You know, what you really want is financial freedom. So you need to just like suck it up and just push, grind. So that way you can get that first property. So that way you can, you know, have that success behind your name so you can recruit easier. I think the average rep, they sacrifice 
what they really want in life for what they want now. And I think it's because oftentimes they don't understand what they really want in life. And so therefore they can't apply this job and their everyday decisions, their multiple time a day decisions, how that actually adds up to the much bigger picture. Yeah. If you don't, if you don't have a destination chosen in advance, you're not going to be walking in a direct line towards a specific goal, right? You're going to kind of wander aimlessly. You you have to know where you're going and press forward towards it every single day. Yeah. So here's another question for you. If you're really good, like, do you really have to be great? Like at the end of the day, like who cares? I'm asking for that rep who is in the top, you know, 10%, top 20%, but has the potential to be in the top 1%. What needs to happen or like what needs to be understood to help that rep? Yeah, that's a super deep question. When I was at BYU and I'm playing for Coach Rose, we had won, we had won three conference championships in a row. When it came to winning another conference championship, um, we had this one particular meeting and coach pointed at all the, at all the guys in the locker room that didn't have a championship ring yet. And they hadn't put up a banner yet. And he's like, I know. So, so, you know, coach Rose played for the five slamma jamma team. Uh, he played in the national championship game. He was literally <clears throat> a buzzer beater away from winning a national championship. And because of that success, it opened up the door for him to pursue his dream. He wanted to be a college coach. That was his dream. And being on a team that plays in the national championship game, that opens a lot of doors for you, right? And so, you know, he believed really strongly that the success that he had as a player and the success that he had earlier on in his career opened up doors for him to eventually become a head coach at a major, you know, mid-major university it all traced back to one point of origin. Now, before coach played in the national championship game, he was a normal guy, right? With a, with a, a dream that was beyond his reach until that moment that it wasn't. And what's cool about life is there's probably a lot of different paths that he could have taken to fulfill his dream. And, you know, he took a program and, got him into the top 10 and then into the top five. We were ranked top five in the nation for a little bit there. He was able to take something and, and truly create like, like see through his dreams with it, but also help a lot of players fulfill their dreams at the same time. Um, yeah. He knew what he wanted to accomplish and it wasn't just what he wanted to accomplish like right then and there, but it was what he really wanted to accomplish later, you know, further in life. And he knew he needed those stepping stones, right? You have to have that resume, especially for, for a coaching job. But I think that the, the average rep, I don't think that he understands like the long-term implications of what happens right now. And I think what happens is the reps who really understand that full potential is not hitting what you need. It's about hitting what you what you actually can. It's about getting to that point where like your goals should scare you a little bit, but that's almost like, that's kind of when you know that you're on the right path. So this is something that it's really interesting to me because I've been helping, you know, sales reps as well as athletes set goals for gosh, 15 years now. 
right? And whenever I'm setting a goal with a salesman or with an athlete, I'll always say, look, we're, we're setting goals for what you're going to hit. Okay. Then, then we're going to figure out the steps to get there, right? We're going to work backwards, but here's the, here's the deal, right? Here's, here's my one rule. You're not allowed to set the goal based on what you think you can have. You have to set the goal based on what you truly want. Okay. You're going to get to either destination. Um, but what's interesting is you're kind of taking it a step further, not just, Hey, this is what you really want, but what you're capable of, because oftentimes what you're capable of is even more than what you really want. I mean, we're all capable of crazy things, right? That if, if you just say, what am I capable of? Well, shoot, if you get the right training and the right structure and the right program behind you, man, you're capable of insane things, right? And what's cra- what's cool about like being capable of insane things, like once you realize those insane things, then all of a sudden it, it builds from there. I think that success and going for goals, especially in this job, everything has a multiplier on it. The more you can succeed in the here and now, the more success you'll have down the road because it compounds. So what's interesting about what you're saying is it compounds, right? So you're, you're like rolling up this snowball and your snowball is either growing or it's shrinking, but it can't stay, it can't stay the same because each, each day matters, right? Yeah. Every day matters. Every year matters. You're either shrinking or you're growing. That's just kind of the nature of business. That's the nature of personal development. And so you don't really get time off. Okay. So you, you can take a vacation with your family. You can go on a trip. But as far as like creating momentum and, and a compound growth for your life, you don't really get time off. You have to keep pushing the snowball. You have to keep momentum. And I know that that's something like that I could point out about you is you're constantly trying to build on to add momentum to your previous momentum. A lot of guys struggle to create momentum for themselves and they come up with excuses and they come up with reasons you know, why they can kind of put a break on things. And ultimately that leads to a specific result. And that result is people freeze. They stop creating momentum, right? There's a saying in the door-to-door space that the hardest door, the most difficult door is your front door. The second hardest door is your car door. And the third hardest door is your first door. And if you can keep that in mind and just get through the first the the really hard three doors, then you can create momentum for yourself on a daily basis, right? Yeah. There's two parts to our brain. There's the, there's like the inner portion of the brain and then there's the outer portion of the brain, right? And the, the inner portion isn't capable of words or thoughts. It's literally basically just capable of feelings. And when you're in that fight, flight or freeze place that a lot of reps get to at different points of the summer, it's hard to kind of negotiate with yourself. And it's kind of hard to pull yourself out of it because the part of your brain that's controlling your body in that moment, it's not capable of, of words and phrases and communication. It's literally just capable of, of feelings. And so fear causes people to freeze. And as soon as you start feeling fear, that's the moment where you stop building momentum and you stop like rolling your snowball, the, the outside portion of your brain. And I think this is something that's given you so much success in your life and in your career is 
you make your commitments with like that outer cortex, the outer part of your brain where you can negotiate with yourself, you can reason with yourself. And then once that commitment is made, you don't let that fear part of your brain start taking over and start making decisions because you're staying in that place where the commitment's already made, right? Right. You mentioned like fear causes reps to freeze. The biggest piece of advice that I would give is when things seem super overwhelming, focus on the most granular level of what you're doing as possible. Like for you, it was, you know, you mentioned front door, car door, first door. When frozen, like when you're hitting that freeze, when you're having that difficult moment, don't think so big picture. Don't start renegotiating your goal. Rather, get those inputs as small as possible. I think one of the biggest things that I've seen over the years is um, reps hope they can make a certain amount of money. They hope they can have a certain level of success. And the reality is, is you can make half a million dollars. You can make a million dollars in the solar industry in a year. It's doable. Other people have done it. And so you just have to ask, well, what did they do? What did they do? And for a lot of people, their goal is not going to be that high their first year. But what's amazing about this industry, and it lets you know that you're like kind of on the right track, is if you spend if you spend three or four or five years in this industry, it only takes about five years before you're like, hey, $100,000 is not enough money for me, right? I need a quarter of a million. I need half a million. I need seven figures, right? My That's how valuable I am. I think one of the biggest things that every rep has to accept is I'm going to decide what I'm going to do each day and then do it every single day. If that's, Hey, I'm going to self-gen one deal every single day. And if you self-gen one deal every single day, five, six days a week, how much money would you make in the, in a year? You only self-gen one. You're not allowed to take any more appointments, but you will not go to bed without self-genning a deal each day. Yeah, over a million. Over a million bucks for one a day, right? For one a day. And so having the mentality of this is a marathon, you don't have to do insane things to make kind of insane amounts of money. You just have to make a commitment to yourself, to your family, and then build momentum on a daily basis and nothing's going to stop you. Yep. Be consistent with it. Be Just consistent. There's not a single person that's not capable of self-genning a deal a day. If you can't, hey, we can train until you can, right? We have a solution for that. We have three absolutely phenomenal corporate trainers at our company. And we have lots of other sales leaders that are willing to train and invest their time to help you hit your goals. If you can't self-gen one deal a day, then you probably need to make some phone calls right? Any, anyone can and should be capable of doing that. And anyone who's self-genning, I don't know, maybe you think it's a skill thing that you can't self-gen one a day. Now, let's look at your last week of knocking. Let's look at your inputs and your outputs make a little bit of sense. I was, so I was training a rep and uh, not trying to hurt anybody's feelings, but this was, this was kind of eye-opening for me. So I was just training this rep and he went out and knocked for an hour and he set an appointment. And he's only been training for a couple of weeks. I'm like, dude, are you feeling confident? And he's like, no, I don't think I know what I'm doing. I'm like, you knocked for an hour and you set an appointment and you got a bill. And he's like, yeah, but 
you know, it just so happened that, um, she is from the area where I served my mission. And so we clicked and we were able to have a really good conversation. And I set the appointment. I'm like, I mean, is that the only thing that you're capable of having in common with other people? <laughs> you know, like that's just one example of, of how you do this, right? Every person that you talk to, there's an opportunity to find a connection. There's an opportunity to find something in common. And that just so happens to be what you found in common with that person that made the conversation easy. Well, if you can do that with one person in an hour, shoot, maybe you can find something in common with one person per 10 doors where a good conversation comes. Right. And he was like, no, I think I just need more training. And I'm like, no, you don't, you don't get it. Like, you know, you know, solar well enough that you actually don't need more training. You just need more time on the doors. Like it should be hard to get you off of the doors. Right. And ultimately like, that's what it comes down to. Like your, your wife should be calling you saying, when are you coming home? You already have four appointments today. Yeah. I, I really like the whole idea behind, okay. Yeah. Obviously we always need to be training. We always need to sharpen the saw, but it's like, there's a time and a place Knocking time is knocking time. Focus up on it. You don't need to train. You need to be on the doors. Like you don't, it, you don't need to be letting these other things get in the way. Even if you're not the most skilled person in the world, if you only knock 10 doors, you only have a potential of 10 appointments. Yeah. Okay. If you knock 200 doors, you have, a, you have that potential of 200 appointments. One of my favorite basketball players is Steph Curry. And having played professional basketball, having played basketball at a really high level, having played with some extremely talented guys, um, Steph Curry has a really unique gift. He never gets upset when he misses, right? He just gives himself, he gives himself the right. Like he has a free pass to shoot it as much as he wants. Steph had a, like an ankle injury. He comes back. And so he hasn't played in a couple games. He shoots like seven or eight threes and misses all of them. And Draymond Green was like, he's like, Steph, man, you're not the only guy on the team. Like, sometimes you got to pass it up. And Steph's like, I'm coming back from an injury and I'm going to shoot it the next time I touch it. Right. Like, you don't, you don't become an all time great at something being afraid of misses. And what's cool is in, in solar, and this is something where, Andy, I think you're one of the most inspiring people in door to door. Um, in my pest career, I was, I was slinging like, like 10 deals a day, but I was knocking like 35 doors. Right. And like you were knocking 300 doors, right? Like you were playing a different game than I was playing. And all you had to do is knock more doors in, or, in order to find more low hanging fruit, right? Like to your credit, that's very inspiring. You didn't take the easiest road to golden door and pest. Also on that note, I'm not as good at sales as a lot of people. Okay. But the problem is they don't, they just don't get enough shots up. I can be terrible at shooting, shooting a basketball, but I just take so many shots that I'm going to win. Right. You know, like if some, if somebody takes no, your- 20 shots in a game and they make all of them, if I can find a way to shoot a hundred shots and make 21, Hey, I win. You won. No one's really keeping track of your, your knock to sale ratio. Not really. And if you're, if you're getting plaques up on your wall saying that you're a golden door winner, then who cares? Who cares what your ratio is? Right. And so, you know, to your credit, that's something that I would say is remarkable about you. 
is you figured out what to not care about and you don't care about it. You're not letting those things hurt your ego. Like it's pretty incredible that a three-time golden door winner, most of the time when you're opening your mouth and you're training reps and you know, you're, you're investing in other people, you're letting them know like, Hey, I'm not the most talented guy. You might be more talented than me, but I'm probably willing to outwork you. And if that's the case, I'm going to win. Right? So if you're, if you're more talented than me, what are you going to do with it? Right? Like that's actually really cool of you to say that because that should be giving hope to anybody in this industry that I don't have to be perfect. I don't have to be the best quote unquote salesman. I don't have to be the best negotiator. I don't have to have the most energy. You just have to have the will to win and to do whatever it takes to hit your goals. And then you have to set the right goals and just do it. Yeah. I think oftentimes people look at three golden doors. People might look at that and say, oh, but that's not me. He's special. You know, like before I started popping off the way I did, I would look at those guys and it's like, holy freak, that's just insane. Like they're not human, they're robots, like they're different, okay? Something about them, they're different. And it wasn't It wasn't until I made the connection that, oh, these extremely successful people are just normal people who can do extraordinary things because they do extraordinary inputs to get those crazy outputs. So- question for you. You just had like a golden road every summer to hit golden door, right? Like this last year, um, all of your jobs were super smooth with third-party fulfillment. Like yeah, everybody at yeah. corporate just, just paved the way for you to have a golden road, right? Yeah. For you to be successful. I mean, that that's, uh, that's super not true. It was, it was rough. So it, your summer was rough. Yeah. And you probably had well, I know you had some major heartbreaks when someone dropped the ball on a deal that you you did everything right, you sold it right, you set expectations right, and the the ball still got dropped. Like you you dodged, you know, you ducked and you dodged those blows and you kept building momentum and you kept pushing. Why? Because each individual deal didn't matter. Each bump in the road, each roadblock, like I don't care about that. What I care about is hitting my goal, okay? And yeah, does it freaking suck that that job just got botched and now I have to find another one to replace it to hit my goal? Yeah, it it 100% does. But my non-negotiable is hitting my goal, okay? And so it's just kind of, is it going to help me to dwell on this? No. I'm not renegotiating just because the, the road's a little bumpy. Just because there's a, just because there's a road closed doesn't mean that I'm going back home. It means, okay, I need to have my GPS reroute me because I'm getting to my destination. It just might take a few minutes longer or a lot longer because I have to take these detours to get it. And I think that goes back to commitment, kind of what you talked about separating a normal rep from an above average rep. It's about committing and not renegotiating your goals. Like, hit your goals no matter what and be willing to sacrifice whatever it's going to take to get there. If your goals are important enough to you, you'll figure out a way to to make them happen. Did you have to have any difficult conversations this summer? Conversations you didn't want to have with like your wife, with customers? Yeah, 100%. Some of the hardest conversations I've had to do. Like, yeah, crying with my wife, realizing that, hey, 
we've got to keep going. I want to quit like this freaking stinks, but the company needs it and we need it for our future. And through tears saying, okay, like we'll keep doing it. So last question for you, as hard as it was, as disappointing as some aspects were, you hit a golden door as a rookie in solar. Was it worth it? Yeah, it was. I'm glad I didn't know exactly how hard it was going to be beforehand. But even with how difficult of a road it was, it was worth it. And I think that whenever you're sacrificing for a big goal, even though it's difficult, even though it's not fun, it will, it will be worth it. And I, I don't think that I've never met anyone who regretted working harder or trying to do more or trying to dream bigger. Right. But if you try, if you're trying to get more out of yourself, it doesn't matter. It, it really doesn't matter where you land. You, you'll be happy that you tried and that you progressed a lot more than you would have had you just stuck with the pack. Ultimately, you set a goal, you set a standard for who you want to live with as yourself, and you don't deviate from that standard no matter what setbacks come. Love it. Okay. Thank you guys so much for, for tuning into our very first podcast. Started from the bottom, now the whole team here. Started from the bottom, now we here. Started from the bottom, now my whole team in. Started from the bottom, now we here. Started from the bottom, now the whole team.